Wednesday afternoon. There we go. Along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. What do you know? Battle of I-10 tonight. The men are in cruises. The women are here. And we're with you the whole way till 6.30. That's when we say hello to John Teicher and Steve Yellen. Courtside. As they bring us the Miners and the Aggies. From the Pan Am Center. And looking forward to that. Looking forward to the women. I know Zay's excited about that. Man, oh man, so much to talk about. Mexico, what happened? What happened? Oh, it looked so good, Adrian. It looked like it was, I don't want to say a done deal, but pretty close. It did, Steve, and unfortunately for Mexico, there were just mm. so many uh, you know hurdles that they had to uh, go through to try to uh, advance and uh, leave Poland in the dust. Unfortunately, you know they were tied for everything. They were tied for scoreline, tied for uh, points, goal difference, goals scored, goals conceded, head-to-head record, and then they uh, allow that late goal against Saudi Arabia as Mexico needed that late goal themselves. Yeah, it's just a tough day, tough day if you're a Mexico soccer. Fan. It is a tough day. There's no doubt about that. I feel bad for, uh, you know, all the fans in Mexico that were excited about uh, this opportunity to uh, win in advance. And 1990, my goodness, we got to go back a ways. That's 32 years ago. That's right. I was getting ready for college this time in 1990. You know the interesting thing about this is that time that year they were actually banned from the tournament. So mm. when you talk about a time they were qualified for a tournament and failed to make it out of the group stage, Oof. that's 1978. 1978. Oh my! I, you know, let me say this: that shows you how good Mexico has been in World Cup action in terms of qualifying for the knockout stage. That's that's the first thing, Adrian. We got to we got to mention that because that absolutely tells you just how good this country has been. Yeah, another thing with this, uh, this is uncharacteristic of Mexico to miss at this point. Like, can you imagine this? They, they've been, uh, you know, a consistent team to qualify uh, for the round of 16. And now uh, they're left in the dust and the last 16 will be without Mexico in this. Yeah, no, that is that is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And uh, again, you know, 95th minute. It wasn't even, I mean, it was extra time. We're not even talking about regulation. We're talking about when the last 90 seconds of the match, when that uh, when that goal came and shattered the hopes of Mexico and eliminated them on goal differential. That's a rough way to go. That's why soccer is so tough. Yeah, I mean, seriously, I'm, sport. I'm having to like look at a chart in the middle of the game like, wait a second, they're making it, and Poland's making it, and Argentina's making it. I'm like looking at different things, and, and, and then it turns out there's no chance for them when it's all said and done, Saudi Arabia hitting that goal uh, and leaving Mexico behind. And Pola, Poland makes the knockout stage. That's the, that's the crazy thing. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And it's not like Poland was knocking anybody's socks off throughout this uh, no. World Cup stage at all. No, no. You know, they lose 2-0. They tie 0-0 against Mexico. And, and when we go back to that game, uh, that ends up being the determining factor of this. So Argentina advances and Poland advances. 
And for Mexico soccer, wait for four more years. That is a rough go. I know that there are a ton of you out there, a ton of you, that live and die with the Mexican national team. Call us up. Your reaction to what happened. Is there anything worse than losing in stoppage time? I mean, think about it. That's my question here is what would, what would be worse? I mean, as a fan, would you rather just get blown out and not even be competitive or play 95 minutes where you absolutely have a shot to advance only to just pull the rug from under you as the match is getting ready to end. Now, I know this. There are a ton of fans that root for Mexico that if this happened to the U.S., would be laughing right now and pointing at him and saying, yep, that's U.S. soccer. I know that. But um, just talking to those of you out there that absolutely love Mexico, you wear this, you wear the shirt, you know, you, um, you follow it. And we've talked about Mexico versus the U.S., whether it's friendlies or real matches, uh, how how intense it gets and how many of you that live here root against the U.S. That is something else that we've brought up on this program many a times. People will say, when the U.S. plays Mexico, hey, there is no, uh, I'm happy no matter what happens. It is simply Mexico, 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 not the United States. That's why I love watching the Iron Sheik's Twitter handle yesterday when the U.S. was playing Iran. Because there's a man that came from Iran. He's probably lived now in the U.S. for 50 years. But he kept tweeting, what do I do? I root for the U.S. I root for Iran. And finally, he showed a picture of himself with the American flag behind him, wearing a Washington Redskins beanie, which I guess told us uh, who the Sheik roots for. So he ended up going for Mexico, for the U.S. over his, uh, his native country. But it's not like that here in El Paso. Not from the calls we get from people. When we did a show on this a while back, people were calling in and voting on Twitter and telling us that, hey, there's no comparison. In this area, uh, the majority, the majority of you that follow this sport, especially at the national level, say when the U.S. plays Mexico, there's only one team to root for. And that's for the team in green. Not the team in red, white, and blue. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised uh, by that at, at all whatsoever because uh, us being a predominantly Hispanic uh, culture here in El Paso or, or reflecting a, a primary uh, Hispanic culture here rooting for Mexico, I, I'm not surprised whatsoever. I am surprised that we're in this predicament right here because there was a lot of question marks around the U.S. team going into it. I know that there was a lot of question marks around the Mexico coach and uh, a lot of the fans will quip against him. But, yeah, I'm curious from their fans to see what they have to say about it. By the way, um, I do stand incorrect. And I'm, I'm incorrect on one thing. If Mexico would have won 2 nothing, apparently they would have had the U, uh, Mexico and Poland. They would have been equal on points, goal difference, goals scored, goals conceded, and head-to-head record. Meaning, 
they would have been completely tied down the middle. So what it said then was uh, Poland had to have, uh, I guess they had the edge on fair play points. So yellow cards. Meaning, yes, yellow yeah. cards and red cards. So that's how they would have, that's how they would have gotten the tiebreaker. What if you, what if you have, what comes after fair play points? Uh, no clue. That's a great question. Yeah, no clue. Mm. All right. So the Mexico could have won two nothing and still been knocked out. I got it. All right. I thought that I thought the one goal was what knocked him out. That's why they were really pressing uh, mm. late in the game okay. and they were trying to get that goal. That's so right. I guess so I guess once it was two one, it didn't matter anymore. It was it. It was it. They would right. they would have uh, two nothing wouldn't have mattered. They had to win by three. That's right. Yeah, and uh, uh, makes and, sense. And makes they sense. had the narrow edge on the fair play. I mean, that was. I think it was just one yellow card that they had advantage over. What happens after fair play points? No do clue. we do we know how far this tiebreak goes and what they do after that? You're like, asking... what happens if when you go all the way down the list, it is completely deadlocked through the entire tournament, and there is no way to break the tie? Then what? Yeah, no clue whatsoever. So yeah, yeah. all right. Listen, I appreciate the tweets, by the way. Thank you very much. Um, I think that was from um, Poncho told me that. Appreciate that, Poncho. Thank you. And you're right. But still, that is a crazy way uh, to end it. Man, 3 nothing would have had to be the win to advance over Poland. But you know what that goes to show you also? You can't save it all for the last match. You have to be better in those other two matches. Otherwise, you put yourself in almost an impossible hole to climb out of. Yeah, the chances for Mexico trying to progress in the World Cup uh, looked slim going into this one. They were hoping that Argentina would just dominate Poland, and that was, you know, that was realistic right there, Steve. Especially when they went up two nil. Uh, however, they needed uh, something a little bit more. They needed to beef up their own goal difference, and uh, against Saudi Arabia, they just weren't able to do so. I guess the way you, by the way, after fair play tiebreaker, um, then you have to draw lots. Wow. Wow. That's the final way to break a tie. You draw lots. So, interesting. All right. Thank you for that. Appreciate you uh, on that one, Poncho, in a big way. Let me go to Dan. He's first up. 13 past. The sports talk continues. 505-6009, our telephone number. What's going on, Dan? How are you? Uh, I'm well, Steve. Well, first of all, to get you that cleared, okay, at the beginning of the day, Mexico had to win four zero if it was a tie between uh, Poland and Argentina. I mean, four goals when they hadn't scored one in uh, for over a year—that was going to be hard. Yeah. But because they got two to zero, then the difference came down to three and zero. Now, mm. to clarify on that thing, let's say that Mexico. If let's say that it would have been two zero and two zero, yeah. then they would have come a tie first tiebreaker. You mentioned the yellow cards. But let's say that Mexico would have won three to nothing. They still would have been tied, and uh, and afterwards, the yellow cards. If they would have been even on yellow cards, and results would have been two 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 nil on both sides. The, the final card breaker is between the two teams, which would have come down to Poland and Mexico, because everything would have been even, yellow cards and everything. Right. What the FIFA does, they put they put it like like you know like the lottery. Mm-hmm. In a little, in, they put two balls. One says Mexico and one says Poland. That's crazy. And then, and then somebody, and, and you know, it's like the lottery. Yeah, they you got to draw lots. Around, yeah. And somebody grabs the ball and and then they open their palm. And if it says Mexico, wow. you're in. If it's Poland, you're out. 
But three I nothing. Mean, but three nothing would have sent three Mexico. Would have them. Yes, three nothing would have given Mexico the because now you you would have you would have been one up on goal differential, which is yeah. the number one tiebreaker. Yeah. Exactly. But anyway, you know Ugh. what I really wanted to talk about was, um, and and I know all the haters and everybody's going to call me names and everything. You live in the United States. I don't care your Mexican background. I have a Mexican background. Mm-hmm. Both of my parents were born in Mexico. Why would you want to do cheer for a team and wear a jersey that never did anything for your parents or really for you? I mean, what has Mexico given me? Just the brown behind. Every opportunity, my education, everything has come from the U.S. So you know what? When U.S. plays Mexico, and I only watch you know soccer. You know, I'm I'm not that big on soccer. I just watch it every four years. So once in a while, a friendly. But you know what? I wear the U.S. jersey because Mexico's never done anything for me or for anybody that has immigrated from Mexico. You can ask those people from Venezuela on the border. You love Venezuela, but what? Why are you doing here? Because it's a better opportunity, and and I think that people will will. I would like to hear. All the haters now come in, call me everything, you know, coconut, whatever, you know. But, you know, that's the way I look at it. You know, I cheer for the USA. I will fight for the USA in Mexico. You know, thank you very much. I understand my roots. I love tamales. I love enchiladas. But that's about it. I also love hamburgers and pizza, man. So thanks thanks a lot for letting me speak. Bye-bye. Thanks for the honesty, Dan. Appreciate that. Dan letting us know how he feels. 16 past, uh, just getting started here on the program. All right. Dan has spoken. Um, what about you, folks? How do you feel on this one? And and that's the truth, by the way. I mean, listen, we talk about this in other sports. talk about this with UTEP a lot. And that is, hey, if you take care of business early, then you shouldn't have to be in a spot late to try to come back and, and get things done like that. And that's the truth. Say it with Mexico. You could talk about, you know, the first two matches – and the end result, and how they put themselves in just a, uh, a huge hole. Huge hole. So, you know, you play Poland and Argentina, put yourself in a position where you, you have to do certain things, which, uh, you know, it's, it's almost uh, impossible. So, anyway, we'd love to get the phones going after that call and go to uh, 505-6009, 600-ESPN El Paso on Twitter, 600-ESPN El Paso on Twitter, and now that the uh, World Cup is locked in for the knockout round. We can talk more about that after we say hello to Charlie One to get this traffic update. 21 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. Get back to your World Cup calls in a little bit. So we say hello to Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs, talk a little baseball and beer. Although I believe Jay is a soccer fan. I seem to recall that over the years as we've talked about this sport, Either you played it or it's something that uh, you have a little interest in when you're not watching uh, baseball. Yeah, I grew up actually playing much much more soccer than Little League Baseball. Um, my uh, my friends uh, around me were, were all more into soccer when I was a kid, and uh, um, that's the way I went. I played goalie because I didn't like running. Um, I scored one goal in my entire career. 
uh, I did too. season I played halfback for a cha- for for a team that won the championship. So that was cool. But uh, uh, my two closest friends here in New York follow follow soccer as closely as I follow baseball, and uh, um, so I, I I pick up stuff from them. But mostly, uh, it takes the World Cup to really get me interested. Although this one, I'm feeling I feel a little bit more uh, more mixed feelings about uh, uh, when it comes to the the whole human rights situation. Not wanting to watch that much of it. I did watch the U.S. win uh, yesterday, though, obviously. All right. And then, by the way, I mean, U.S. Uh, puts themselves in a spot uh, along with England and Group B, and now they've got... And I've got a feeling on Saturday, you'll be tuning into the U.S. and the Netherlands, won't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll watch the U.S. games here. I'm just, I think I'm taking in less of the, less of the rest of the series and tracking my, tracking my watching so I can make a good donation uh, to, to some, some good human rights organizations and, uh, at, the, at the end of this. All right, that's good. Listen, there's always the thing I like about you. There's always a cause with you, Jay. That's what it's all about. Eh, so you know, you sometimes. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, you know. There is some off-season baseball right now. Some interesting signings have been going down, at least as far as what's happened. Uh, before we get to those thoughts on uh, Don Mattingly becoming a bench coach with the Blue Jays. Yeah, some of us are willing to take a step down in order to flee the country. I guess, right? <laughs> For day um, for for Mattingly, I just don't know. Whether you think there was any other jobs available? You think he took the first one he could get? Yeah, no, I think he I think he was in a bind because all the managerial jobs were filled, um, you know. And if he wanted to work, uh, uh, you know, in a uniform job, he was going to have to become a coach somewhere. Um, you know, Toronto's an interesting fit because uh, they're obviously they are uh, a very good team, um, you know, a, a strong nucleus, and and they could contend for. Uh, the AL East title next year. Um, you know, they were, this is a, this is a good choice for him. Um, he'll he'll get to come to Yankee Stadium. Um, right. You know, I think I, I think this will be interesting for him. Um, you know, and I, I imagine it's probably something there. He's just trying to um, you know keep keep himself in, in uniform here and hope that uh, um, maybe uh, you know nine months from now or whatever, ten months from now that. Uh, um, he'll he'll draw consideration for another managerial job. Look, I like Mattingly. Um, I, I've met him as a person. Very nice, very approachable. Always has been in that regard. Uh, as a ball player, I always thought Mattingly was one of the fan favorites because uh, despite the fact they never had a lot of power, he hit for high average, and we can always play the what-if game with Mattingly's career, and what if Don Mattingly's career wasn't uh, cut short due to injuries? Yeah, look, he's on the uh, contemporary baseball ballot that'll be uh, voted upon this Sunday. I think his numbers are short for the Hall of Fame. So have the voters for you know his full uh, 15-year run on the ballot and uh, uh, in two previous era committee appearances. I don't have a whole lot of hope for him there, but you know he's an icon here in New York. Um, really, kind of uh, set the set the set the tone for. Uh, the Yankee dynasty that followed, because he was a big influence on guys like Bernie Williams and and uh, uh, Derek Jeter in terms of how he carried himself and you know what the expectations uh, are for for playing for the Yankees. So um, he's revered here, um, and uh, um, I'm sure he'll be received warmly when he comes back in in uh, with the Blue Jays. You think he'll ever become manager of the Yankees before it's all said and done? You know they had the choice. Uh, to hire him or Joe Girardi after after uh, uh, Joe Torre was ousted uh, following the 2007 season, they chose Girardi. Um, you know, Mattingly, uh, I think has has good leadership skills. Um, 
he has he has been somewhat resistant to working with <clears throat> the more analytically inclined front offices, um, which I think you know was why the Yankees the Yankees didn't choose him and why uh, he parted ways with the Dodgers at, when when after Andrew Friedman uh, settled in there. Um, and uh, you know I don't know if that was necessarily the case with the Marlins, other than they just weren't spending money. Um, <clears throat> but you know he's been a little bit out of step. Uh, with with the, tra- the the way front offices have gone, so I think it's you know it's it, he's going to probably have to show a little bit more flexibility. I think if he's going to land one of those plum jobs, I mean there's just you know there's teams most teams are are are, are using this stuff all over the place, yep. and and uh, um, you know it's not that uh, you're just a, a a sock puppet in the dugout. Um, you've got to integrate the information. You've got to be the public face of the. Uh, of the team, and you've got to, um, you know, hold that clubhouse together. Um, but there's, you know, you're getting a lot of information that you have to assimilate and 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 handle. Um, and I don't know that he's necessarily the most comfortable with that uh, compared to some of other managers. So interesting, and I agree with that 100. percent In fact, um, yeah, Butch Henry lives in El Paso, spent many years in the big leagues. Good, good friend of the show. And years ago, he was a minor league pitching coach with the Yankees, and used to tell us firsthand that they are very, um, you know, uh, as an organization committed to analytics. Uh, more, uh, I think they were trying to be. I won't say on the cutting edge, but they were definitely aggressive at all their levels. And and trying to do things a certain way, uh, no matter uh, what uh, you know, pitcher was in in what level, they were they were definitely committed to that uh, years ago. Yeah, they were they were um, really ahead of the curve when it came to pitch framing. Um, they you know they decided uh, um, you know to to move on from Jorge Posada and had uh, um, some some strong pitch framers there, including Russell Martin um, for a while, and they they did. Um, uh, or the Jose, they got Jose Trevino this year, and he was outstanding in that department. Um, they've done very well with their, their uh, recent pitching coach, Matt Blake, as a guy who knows how to use the technology uh, and, and to you know to to make tweaks that can uh, uh, really bring out the the, the uh, deceptive characteristics of a pitch. Um, turned. Uh, Guys that maybe didn't turn heads like uh, Clay Holmes and and uh, uh, others into uh, real weapons out of the bullpen. So yeah, they're, the expectation is you're gonna um, you're gonna do things the Yankees way, um, you know, with with the front office, and that's that's something that Brian Cashman has instilled. And uh, um, you know, I, I speculated, just spitballing, that uh, uh, if the Yankees did want uh, to take a very reaction, reactionary tack and fire Aaron Boone after the after losing in the playoffs, that Mattingly would be somebody in play. And lo and behold, of course, there were at least a couple columns by the local writers here yeah. um, that uh, uh, put that into even greater speculation. And, and uh, it didn't come to pass because of uh, uh, just, uh, you know, how – you know, I think how the organization sees uh, Boone versus the alternatives here, and uh, um, so yeah, I don't know that he's ever going to become that, but he'll always be revered in Yankee Stadium. More with the uh, Jays. We at the bottom of the hour, plus uh, a lot of the uh, news around baseball, some new signings we'll talk about, and then get Jays' beer pick of the week. But first, let's get right back to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. 
this. Adrian, thank you very much. We're back with Jay Jaffe here, 32 Pass, as we continue. So Jeff Passon reported earlier this uh, this morning, Jay, that the Yankees have an offer on the table for Aaron Judge that's in the neighborhood of eight years and $300 million, which would make him the highest-paid position player in baseball history based on average annual value. And apparently the Yankees could increase its offer to Judge depending on how far the Giants are willing to go and maybe even the Dodgers, which brings me to Pinky's message on our mobile app that he just sent us. Uh, As a Giants fan, does Jay think the Giants gave Aaron Judge a good offer? Have they even given uh, Judge the offer yet, Jay? Yeah, I have not heard uh, specific dollar amounts talked about, but I know that the Giants went into uh, these discussions with Judge um, and and this offseason in general. They had a lot of money coming off the payroll, and the presumption was is they they could they could make um, uh, judge an offer that was competitive with with uh, uh, that of the Yankees um, because they have the payroll room and they understand his value beyond uh, um, you know just beyond the field of what uh, you know what a what a uh, marquee attraction he could be. Um, he's from the area, not San Francisco specifically, but from the Bay Area in general, um, and. Uh, the thought is, is that if he's going to go back to California, uh, that's the most likely destination. Um, so, I, you know, I think they're they're considered the top competition for him, and he's going to have to decide whether, uh, you know, whether he wants to play closer to home or whether he wants to, um, you know, fulfill the the destiny that he set for himself and and be the be a Yankee for life, which is what he has said before. So, you know, it's uh, it's uh, I think it probably comes down. Less to dollars and cents. I think I think he's going to get uh, uh, a ton of money either way, um, and more to you know which uh, which which call which location calls to him, and 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 what it means to be a Yankee versus what it means to uh, go back to Cali. Let's talk about some of the uh, signings that have already happened over the week. First off, the news when Jose Abreu uh, joined the Astros as their first baseman over uh, the next two years. Yeah, it's um, it's a it's a big signing. It's you know you're you're paying for a guy who's in the back half of his 30s. Uh, he had a great year. He's been hitting the ball hard. Um, I do think there's a possibility he could collapse somewhere in this contract. I mean, you know his 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 plate discipline is getting better, which is uh, you know while it's generally a positive in a player, it also sometimes means that uh, um, you know that a guy is acknowledging that his bat is slowing down. Now he's still hitting the ball very hard, so I don't know that that's an immediate concern. But uh, the 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 three year deal for that kind of money, uh, I believe it's three years, fifty eight million, something like that. Um, there's some risk involved there, but the Astros just won the World Series, and you know, as, as Brian Cashman says of the Yankees, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Um, so, you know, they made a nice upgrade there by moving on from Yuli Gurriel, who had a rough uh, a rough season, uh, and uh, is, is a free agent. And this is a big upgrade for them. I would agree with that completely. Um, meanwhile, what about uh, this story, which uh, surprised me a little bit? Mike Clevenger to the White Sox. Uh, good upside play. I mean, he is not. Uh, he had a rough first season back from Tommy John surgery, um, which was his second. And there's, there's some, you know, there's some concern there. But for, you know, for the money that he's guaranteed there, um, you know, I think it's. It, I think it's a good play. I don't, you know, I'm surprised the White Sox let Abreu walk, given how tight uh, uh, he is with uh, owner Jerry Reinsdorf. But uh, um, you know, they've. This is a team that has some good pitching already, and if you know, there's. There's probably still uh, a chance that Clevenger uh, gets back to uh, his uh, top of the rotation stuff. 
Heimer Candelario to the Nationals, uh, just a, a low-risk move, only $5 million, but I guess they're hoping he can get back to his 2021 numbers. Yeah, I, I don't have I don't have huge hopes for them, but yeah, that's another upside play. I mean, five million dollars. It's you know, for a team that's rebuilding, that makes total sense uh, to make those kind of upside plays and hope that uh, you know he has a good half season and then uh, uh, makes himself into a desirable trade candidate. Absolutely. Uh, you've been writing a lot about the Hall of Fame uh, up at Fangraphs this time of year. That's pretty big for you, uh, whether it's the Hall of Fame ballot this year and breaking down names like Jeff Kent, Todd Helton, uh, Scott Rowland to go along with a few. You also went through the um, Contemporary Baseball Era Committee, and you even uh, went ahead and, and talked about uh, cronyism. That has, that has always been one of your favorite subjects when you discuss uh, the, the Hall of Fame. You know, it's just one that, that, that really, I mean, my, all, so much of the research that, uh, uh, that I did and kind of got me hooked on the Hall of Fame, you go back to the Bill James books, um, uh, 1994 Politics of Glory, uh, when it came out in paperback, it was retitled Whatever Happened to the Hall of Fame. But he's got a whole long chapter in there about uh, uh, the cronyism of the late 60s and early 70s uh, veterans committees and, and you know, what's interesting is that uh, uh, when I introduced my JAWS system, uh, it showed that those guys were indeed some of the most inferior uh, admit, ad, admissions to the Hall. They, I think five of them, five of the players in, uh, elected from 19, uh, by the Veterans Committee from 1967 to 76, rank at the dead last in, at their positions uh, in JAWS. And, uh, uh, you know, they were all... Uh, former teammates of, of Frisch, Frankie Frisch, Bill Terry, and Wade Hoyt, uh, three guys who were on those committees in those years. And, uh, um, you know, it's it's something that uh, we saw, you know, more recently with the election of Harold Baines, Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, the White Sox owner, Pat Gillick, uh, general manager in Baltimore who acquired him, I think, twice, uh, and Tony La Russa, who managed him in Chicago, were all on that committee. And he just, I think that just devalues the the devalues the honor and and tarnishes the process when uh, you've got such visible connections and and such a strong hint of cronyism. I'm still interested to see when the voting happens later this week, uh, especially in the contemporary baseball ballot, uh, who uh, ends up getting in. Yeah, I think that the general feeling is is that Fred McGriff is the big favorite. Um, Like Harold Baines, you know, you can point to uh, his his counting stats and – uh, argue that he would have hit a major milestone that equaled automatic induction had uh, the players not struck in 1994. Um, in his case, he fell seven homers short of 500. Uh, clean reputation, but you know, by my by my system, he comes off as a fairly one-dimensional player. Consistent 30 homer, 100 RBI guy, even led the league in homers a couple times, but never, uh, you know, never close to an MVP award. Um, you know, never close to being the best player in the league. Um, you know, you don't have to be all those to 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 be a Hall of Famer, of course. But uh, um, you know, the voters on the on the um, uh, the writers uh, did not give him uh, a ton of support. And uh, uh, but I think that his case is kind of tailor made for this, especially after seeing what happened to Baines. And now, uh, turns out, wow, he's got three uh, uh, three former teammates uh, on the on the committee. Uh, Chipper Jones and, and, and Greg Maddox uh, among them. And uh, so I, I feel like this is 
like the fix is probably in on this one. I'm trying to remember since I read the Cooperstown casebook uh, years ago when it first came out and you first finished it. If there are a lot of one-dimensional players in the hall, you know, um, there are some, but uh, you know, it's it's uh, you know there. Some more than others. I mean, it's. I think we have more data today that really kind of tells us uh, just how one-dimensional these guys are. You know, when I look at the components of, of wins above replacement, I see that McGriff was a net negative in base running and fielding and um, double play avoidance, and that's kind of why I use the term one-dimensional. You know, it's it's uh, um, it's probably probably not the um, uh, not the, not the the whole of his game, you know. I think that there's, you know, he had some value, uh, obviously, you know, beyond just being a slugger. He was uh, a well-regarded teammate and and, and so on. But uh, um, you know, we've got some of those guys in the Hall of Fame. There's just, you know, the sl- the first baseman who had lots of home runs. Yeah. Uh, they're in there, and you know, some of them are, are even lower than. Uh, uh, McGriff and Jaws, like Tony Perez, and uh, who's, who, who I think he kind of resembles a lot, uh, and Orlando Cepeda, who at least was an MVP uh, at one point. Let's wrap it up. Beer pick of the week. What would you like to profile for our listeners this week, Jay? Okay, this one is a local one. I, I might have featured it before, but I found myself uh, telling my wife to pick some up when my parents were in town this past weekend because all I had was IPAs, and my dad doesn't drink IPAs. Uh, this is the Talea. Uh, Pilsner. It's called Al Dente. Um, it is an Italian style Pilsner. Um, let's see if I can remember the hops here. I had the hop the hop bill up here somewhere. Oh uh, boy, where'd it go? Sapphire, Tetanang, and Herzbrucker hops. Um, dry Italian style Pilsner, five percent ABV. Uh, good. Uh, uh, good beer to go with. It actually went very well with uh, the spicy Chinese food that we that we got uh, for takeout uh, uh, when my parents were here. Very nice. All right, listen, we'll see what happens next time we talk when it comes to uh, the hall. Looking forward to that announcement. In the meantime, Jay, always appreciate the time, and thanks for coming on the show with us today. All right, sounds good, Steve. Take care. Jay Jaffe, as we continue, 42 past, UTEP, New Mexico State. Game's coming up just a little more than two hours from now. We'll dive more into that uh, big battle of I-10. Sports Talk continues right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. Some vintage Elton John for you. Trying to see if I can pull up the numbers. You know, these used to be free, and now it's subscription-based. Fred McGriff versus Butch Henry. That's like a dream. You know, isn't that the best? Oh, here it is. All right, McGriff career against Butch Henry, 28 at-bats, 308 batting average, two home runs, seven RBIs. Hmm, man, tough opponent right there. Yeah, he uh, he did well against Butch. Here's what Butch said. He was an anchor in that lineup. He didn't hit in the three-hole in that lineup unless you were good. Also called the crime dog, a hell of a player. So there you go. Yeah, it's kind of fun. I mean, some of these times, sometimes when you look at these numbers, uh, they're all it's all subscription based. But in this particular, we found it, which was nice. And uh, Stathead.com had it. But there you go. You got to respect the game, Steve. When you had uh, somebody who played the game talk about uh, another one, a fellow opponent that he faced in the game. Respect the game, right there. Respect their opinion. They oh, played 100%. through it. They played. They they lived through it. Got to respect the game. That's right. 
You tip New Mexico State, 7 o'clock tonight from the Pan Am Center. The women play at the Haskins Center tonight. And here's Victor joining us next. Uh, what, what a shock, Victor. I was, uh, ex- I'm surprised you didn't call in at 4, but good to have you on, even though we're just a few minutes away from wrapping up Hour 1 here on the show. Or, or, or perhaps 3.59 and 30 seconds, Steve. There you go. That's right. That's right. What's going on, Victor? You ready? You ready for tonight? I'm here at the and I'm waiting for the doors to open. Oh my God! Are you serious? You're already there. Uh, two five. hours. It's four fifty, dude. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm already here. When do they open up the doors? At six. At they open the doors at eighteen hundred hours. So let me ask you something, okay? Serious question. Besides calling into the show, what the heck are you going to do out there for the next hour? Like, I mean. I mean, were you well, really, are you, are, like, do you want to be first through? Is that the idea? Is it, like, you know, pretty cool to, like, a badge of honor? You're first in for the uh, Battle of I-10? Something like that, Steve. I got you. All right. All there right, you fair. go. There you go. That's fair. Hey, I wanted to get your and um, Adrian's opinion on something. Um, the fact that this uh, Saturday's Aggie-Valpo game is not going to be for anything other than senior day. Uh, that's not true. If they lose oh, to Valpo, uh, they're, I mean, they could they could well, have well, petitioned yeah. the NCAA all they want, but if they don't win that okay. game, uh, they're no, not no, playing yeah. in a bowl. Right. No, no, I, I understand that, but but we'll win. We'll win. We'll okay. win. Okay. I am completely I, – I have confidence in the world in Coach Kill. There you go. And all the players at Bell. Bell this will be a, a laugher in no time. Gotcha. Really. Good for you. But, but I was going to say um, – the fact that it's just um, it has no bowl bearing on bowl eligibility is that enough to get the crowd out, Steve? Do you think? Yeah, I mean the they have a chance to go bowling. I would think so. I it's senior day, and this team oh, has yeah. got five wins. They've exceeded expectations. Yeah, I would uh, hope that I hope you get twenty thousand for this game. I would absolutely hope you get twenty thousand for this. Maybe thirty. I don't know. Do you get to use your ticket for San Jose State to get in? Uh, yes, sir. Then there you go. What else are you going to do on December the third? Right, right, exactly. I, I, I hope and pray to God that the NCAA will will see will see us through this. You know. Well, you know what? You can never. There's never enough prayers to God when it comes to big important things like this. So, you know, I, I just agree. pray to God that this hour goes by really fast for you. So before you know it, it's six o'clock and you're in the doors. How's that? I'll pray for that. Yeah. Exactly, man. I'll I'll I'll, I'll uh, shout and say, "I'm in, yeah. I'm in." Maybe Mario Mocha can let you in early. I mean, come on, Mario, give give is, give Victor is, a break. Just get him in. Is, is it Mario Super Duper Fellow, Steve? Yes, yes, it sure is in my book. That's in right. my book, That's definitely. Right. All right, listen, enjoy Come yourself. Time, listen in on the app. Keep you know what you got nothing else to do for the next hour. Just listen to the show on the app, and we'll break things down a little bit for you. Okay. You got it, my friend. Appreciate that. Take care, Vic. All right, Victor's. Uh, boy, Victor's man. He's a he's a fan. All right, there's nothing else I can say. Hour two next. Sports talk continues right after this. Along with Adrian Bradis, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Let's head to the phones right now. Joining us is Richard V. Castro. He's been on before, especially this time of year to talk about the 2022 McDonald's Classic Basketball Tournament, which starts tomorrow, goes uh, all the way through Saturday. It's going to be out at East Lake High School. And uh, Richard, uh, welcome back. Good to have you on the program. And uh, I love this time of year. This is when we get to have some of the best high school hoops uh, in the uh, the region. And some will say in the nation uh, come here to El Paso. 
It's the best time of the year, Steve. Thank you for having me. Get to talk a little bit about, about the tournament. And, yeah, there's some great teams coming in uh, from California, Arizona, um, the East Coast, Maryland. Uh, it's going to be a great tournament, just just like always. East Lake High School does a phenomenal job of host. Uh, last year did a phenomenal job of hosting. Um, they set the bar really high, and, and I'm confident they're going to do uh, even a better job this year. Who's the one that's in charge of uh, recruiting teams from out of the city? I'm wondering how that goes, Richard. Yeah, you know, Wayne Thornton does just about everything for the tournament. You know, he, he coordinates a lot of that. And what he does, you know, you look at uh, some of the top names, uh, uh, some of the top players around the country, uh, maybe the top 500 uh, recruits of all classes, and kind of narrows it down to uh, who they play for and some of the teams that they play against, and he'll start contacting them um, year two out, year or two out uh, before the tournament, and you know starts starts making contact with them and. And he he uh, makes an effort really to go scout some teams, and it's really on his shoulders, and he does a great job of that. I'm not surprised. Uh, Wayne has, even in his retirement from El Paso Park and Rec, been still so involved. I know he still travels, watches a lot of sports, and uh, it's great to see that you know he takes such a big interest in this field as well. Uh, that's that's terrific, and I'm and I'm looking yeah, right now, Richard. Great... Yep, go ahead. Well, he's a great ambassador for the city and for the region. And, and you know, he's been involved with McDonald's uh, way back in the 80s. If you remember the, the summer leagues that, that we had, and he, he, uh, he ran that for like 20 years. And it was, he grew it from just a, a boys' uh, league to girls and then also volleyball. And when that ended, uh, he, he wanted to find something else for us. So, so you know, we, we got this tournament going. Well, let me say this, because I'm looking at the field right now. You've got only one El Paso team in the girls' division, and that's Pebble Hills. And then you've got teams from Lubbock, Chandler, Arizona, Fresno, California, and even Landover, Maryland coming into El Paso yeah. for the girls' division. That is absolutely terrific. It's exciting. The uh, If you talk about top talent, we've got it coming. Uh, you know, the, 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 There's a sophomore for that place for Monterey High School out of Lubbock. She's getting attention from all over the country. She had offers during her freshman year. Wow. Um, I think I think UCLA offered her, and I'm not sure where she's going to go. She's got some time to decide, but you know she's averaging 30 points a game. Uh, just the other day they played against Duncanville, and I think they, they lost by one point. Um, but they, they, they're eager to challenge themselves and play against top competition from all over the country, and that's why they agreed to come here. Um, but that's, you know, that's a highlight and one of the hallmarks of this of our tournament is to to grab these teams from all over the country, so we can challenge our our local student athletes. Richard, uh, just to elaborate a little bit more on on this individual, we're talking about Aliyah Chavez, who is actually the number one ranked uh, girls basketball player in the country right now out of 2025. She is currently a five star prospect. She's graded a 96 by ESPN.com, like you mentioned. Uh, has that offer from UCLA? What's it like bringing in a competition like this? And not only is she a top prospect, but Lubbock Monterey is a top five team in the state of Texas right now. Exactly, exactly right. We're excited. I mean, when we uh, uh, we weren't even sure when we talked to Coach Schneider if we, if they were going to agree to come down because I'm sure that they got a lot of offers to go play and they're going to they're going to get even more attention after this year. 
well, you know, what it's like is it's exciting because when one of the uh, – go back to one of the hallmarks for this tournament is to challenge our student-athletes. So we put them – give them an opportunity to go up against top talent that they, the mayor, they may or may not face, you know, in their high school careers and, and to give them that, that challenge to try step up and, and test their skills. And that's exactly how they uh, – the out-of-town teams see it. They just don't want to travel. They want to – they want good competition, and we offer that. Our 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 local student athletes, they give a phenomenal effort. You know, the talent level may be uh, different, um, you know, around the country, but when they come in, when they come here, they know they're gonna they're gonna face some El Paso kids that, that are gonna give them a run for their money and challenge for the the championship. You know, our local teams on the boys side have won. Well, I think it's about half. We've we've been doing the tournament about eleven uh, about eleven years. Our local teams have won about half of the time. That's incredible in itself. By the way, um, Richard, I've been watching the uh, Leah Chavez um, videos. My goodness, she's got a quick yeah. release. She just dropped forty-five on friendship yesterday. So I yeah. think, yeah, I think that's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait more than anything to see um, you know, how the El Paso uh, schools uh, fare against her. Because, again, it's only Pebble Hills. So she'll go up, uh, you know, and it looks like um, as far as Monterey High, which is the team that um, Aaliyah plays for, she gets uh, Pebble Hills tomorrow at Pebble Hills at 2.30, and then pretty much every game yeah. after that is going to be at Eastlake. Yeah, that's another one of the hallmarks of our tournament, what differentiates it. Is uh, we are able to host games at local at some of the other schools yep. that are that are in the tournament. So they have the assembly game, and that's for the student body and really to promote the school and and um, get give them a, a taste of it. And you know, one little quick anecdote about Aaliyah uh, Chavez. You know, I got to see her play, and she was uh, against Shapin last year in the playoffs, and they did a good job of holding her for the first half. I think she only had about six, seven points. But then she ended the game with like forty. So good lord, they they had a good they had a good game plan against her. But she still finds a way, and that she was just a you know a freshman uh, at that time. But she's exciting to watch because she she handles the ball, she handles the pressure, up full court pressure. She'll bring it down on her own. Uh, creates. Uh, she reminds me a little bit about Steph, uh, of Steph Curry, how he can create his own three point shot, step back and shoot it. But she's averaging like five assists. You know, also, so it's not like she's just a one-way player. Yeah, that's true. She's tough. There's no doubt about it, and that's why she's considered right now the class of 2025, the number one player in the country. As we continue with Richard V. Castro and and talk about the McDonald's Classic Basketball Tournament starting tomorrow, goes through Saturday. Um, most of the games will be at East Lake High, but there are going to, as we talked about with Richard a moment ago, uh, you know, in the boys' division, you've got East Lake. Chapin, Kenyatio, and Franklin all uh, part of the boys' divisions. There's two pools, so they're each going to get to host a game tomorrow. Um, and that's exciting. Yeah. And you've got schools from Landover, Maryland. I think it's uh, Sha- is it called? Is it pronounced uh, Shabak uh, Christian Academy? Yeah, well, we've Shabak. Shabak. Okay. Shabak Christian yeah. Academy. And their boys and girls team are both coming in from Landover. But then you've right. got Balboa School from San Diego, AZ Compass School uh, from Chandler, and Cooper International School from Chino, California, all coming yeah. in to take on the El Paso schools. They're coming in to take the defending champion, Franklin Cougars. You know, they, 
Franklin won last year. We got them back this year to, to defend their title. And these out of town teams, they're they're you know they're not um, they're not going to take it lightly. They some of them are all, you know, I think they're all here or will be here, and they wanted to get, make sure to get some uh, uh, get their legs under them, and they've already practicing and warming up for for the tournament. And um, so a couple of us some of the games will be hosted at Franklin and Kenyatio, um, and then yeah, but the rest of the weekend they'll be at East Lake High School. Excellent, excellent. And by the way, Adam Castillo always has a, t- a really good program at Franklin, so I'm not surprised that uh, you know he's yeah. the defending champ. Very, very good young head coach in El Paso. Uh, tickets for this tournament, Richard, $5 for adults, $3 for students. Now, is the $5 adult ticket a per-game ticket? Is it an all-day ticket? How does that work? That's a, a, a per-day ticket. Um, they can go for for information on on that sisd.net slash athletics. Okay. Because okay. these days, you know, you got to get them online. You got and um, you can either go there now or get the QR code at at the site at at East Lake. And um, but the ticket prices are five dollars per day for adults, three dollars a day for students. Fantastic. Um, you played basketball. I know that's a big part of why uh, you and your dad are so involved uh, in this tournament. Uh, plus, we just don't have a lot of things like this in El Paso. Let's be honest, Richard. Um, I've talked a lot on my show how I wish we had state-of-the-art uh, basketball-slash-volleyball complexes in El Paso so we can see yeah. more big tournaments come in. It would be nice. I love the fact that Eastwood's hosting. That's terrific. But I still believe that when it comes to basketball and volleyball in this city, especially at the younger levels, we shouldn't have to have so many kids go out of town to play in tournaments. We should be bringing yeah. them here. Yeah, and that, I think that's dad. Uh, you know, he's we grew up playing basketball. He played basketball. He's a uh, very uh, education centric, uh, big promoter for for uh, getting an education um, in all and using athletics as a as a, a means to instill those values um you know personally i have an experience with volleyball and, and my daughter's playing or and my other daughter played and i you, you touched on something there about about a uh, a facility or some kind of um uh method to to have big time tournaments and that's what we want to try to shine the light on and maybe get that conversation going and, and, and build some because just down you know if you in arizona They've just—they're building facilities that are that are remarkable, and I can think of a couple, you know, right now, and and they're hosting big tournaments, and and they're building them and bringing them in, you know. Yep. Oh, we lost him just like that. We lost Richard. Let's see if we can get Richard back in. I'd love to, to finish this conversation, especially as he was talking about the facilities in Arizona, and how we could try to, you know, get that conversation started in El Paso. I, I'm I'm agreeing with him on that completely. I would love nothing more to see that uh, happen around here and hopefully sooner rather than later so that some of the young ones now, as they get older, can enjoy it and reap those benefits, as Richard was talking about. Richard, we lost you right when you were talking about what they're building in El pa- in Arizona and how you'd love to see it in El Paso, but I was telling our listeners, uh, I echo those sentiments completely. Yeah, yeah, and, and that would be a, a great way for our kids to um, develop their, their skills, um, and challenge, and then attract more out of town teams. Not just for these for our tournament, but 
you know, and then growing up, and, and just like now today, our, a lot of our kids go to go to Vegas in the summer and go to these out of town tournaments uh, throughout the year. And and um, but having it here locally, that creates so much more opportunity for for all our kids. Hopefully, we can have a conversation about uh, about getting that going. But dad, you know, dad has a, a great vision, and he this tournament is a is a way to 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 shine a light on that. Absolutely. Great opportunities for our kids. By the way, let me give out some social media handles. Twitter, at EP. At EP Facebook, Events. So there you go, Events. And uh, as, yep, say that again, Richard? Events. Events. Oh, Events. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. Yeah. No worries. Thank you for thank you for telling me that. Uh, yep. That's on the sisd.net backslash athletics. Hey, I got one last question that's not basketball related before we end the show, okay? Or end this conversation with you. Because it's something I've got to ask you. Have you yeah, ever ask me. have you ever been able to duplicate McDonald's fries at your house? <laughs> you know what, the, not close. I think the closest the guy was with an air fryer. And 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 the secret is you know, these things come from, uh, you know, the brand is Nestle. I may, maybe giving some secrets away here, but so maybe that's the secret on these fries is, you know, the, the Nestle makes them. And just the way that we the temperature and the oil that we use. And, I know. There's nothing like them, man. It's, there's nothing. They're properly salted. Oh, there's nothing better. I will say that. Hall of Fame fries. There is no doubt about it. And I've always wondered, can you um, can you master that? Uh, now, you tried the air fryer. That's really interesting. But I'm just telling you, that's, uh, that is one of life's great mysteries, <laughs> how it's so yeah. perfect every time. So, listen, um, congratulations on bringing the tournament back. Excited about that. Excited about having you on the program. And uh, we're going to uh, look forward to getting by in the next couple of days. Adrian will be there. I'll be there. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you and uh, and have some fun. Thank you, Steve. And I look forward to seeing you there. And looking forward to a great weekend. You too, Richard. Take care. Thanks again. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Richard V. Castro here on Sports Talk as we continue. Don't you agree about the fries? I mean, don't you? Is that something you want to yeah. know? Yeah, I do. I always want to know the secret sauce. I like the air fryer response. Like I that's so creative on the on the fly. I'm with you on that, and I love the fact that Richard told us it was Nestle because I never would figured Nestle for fries. Never, never. Think about them for chocolate and some of the other stuff. You would never think about that. So maybe that's, that's why I'm so addicted to them, Steve. They maybe so. A little sugar in it. Maybe so. All right. 18 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. Let's go to Charlie. Want to get this traffic update? Back on Sports Talk as we continue. 24 now past the hour. Battle of I-10 tonight. John Teicher will join us just a little more than an hour from now. Countdown to tip-off. Saw a tweet earlier from Adrian at Enemy Win, the number three. And Adrian tweeted in and said the following. Why are we talking about Mexico when the Miners play tonight? Hey, good point. 
Dan called in. I thought the phones were going to explode when he talked about how, uh, you know, he was all U.S., not Mexico, even though he's you know from there. But uh, no, we should be talking minors, Aggies, because that's what it's all about in the next hour. Battle of I-10, baby. You know, Steve, the more I think about this game, the more I really uh, believe that this is a huge, huge matchup for both sides. On one end, yep. uh, the Miners have won five in a row. They want to try to make it six. They want to continue to cement themselves as a power among Conference USA or just at least a challenger among some of the better teams in that league. And then for New Mexico State, two and two on the year, faced adversity off the court. They need to keep their season on track and try to beat their rivals, which historically they've dominated this series. And unlike the first matchup, which was was only available on CUSATV.com. This one's everywhere. It's on every platform possible, including ESPN+. Plus. That's right. So uh, the the best, uh, and no knock to our good friends out there like Adam Young, but uh, best way to do it here, at least locally, uh, turn down the volume, turn up Voice of the Miners, John Teicher, along with Steve Yellen, and uh, watch and listen to the broadcast. I think Adam understands. Yeah, he I does. think he does. I think he gets it that, you know, we love him, but not tonight. I mean, tonight it's all about John and Steve. That's just what it is. All right, let's go to the phones. 505-6009, that's our telephone number, and go to Craig Pringle, former minor who played uh, around the time that I remember watching UTEP football, early 90s, and he joins us uh, next on the program. Craig, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, how you doing today? Go Miners. How y'all doing today? I'm about to referee a girls basketball game here in this tournament, but I wanted to uh, talk about the topic of uh, these girls coming in, in here this weekend. Yeah, let's do that, please. One of the things I wanted to uh, talk about is why our our top players in our in our team, I mean our uh, city, are leaving to go to other teams. So uh, KJ Lewis and also Jada Morrison, who used to play for Eastwood, she now plays on the Lubbock Coronado. I mean Lubbock Monterey team. I don't yeah. know if you knew that. I did not know that. Thanks for telling me that. That's interesting. Yes, and so they are right now the number. I forgot what number they are in the, in the nation. But I just saw them play against Duncanville the other night, the other night, and they lost by one point. But Jada had like eight points and like 15 rebounds and like four assists. So she's doing very well. But I'm, the topic I want to figure out is do our top players in this city have to go to another team in order to – get to where they're going as far as whatever level they're going to. So I mean, I would say no. Right, well, Craig, what about this? Tristan Newton stayed in town all the way through uh, his graduation, and now he's playing at UConn, and he's leading the team. I mean, he's, he led them with like 17 a couple of games ago and is getting uh, a ton of recognition. So, I mean, it just depends on where you're at. If you're a top 25 overall player uh, like KJ was, then maybe you want to better your competition level. But I also see that if you stay here and you shine, you could definitely parlay that into a, a good opportunity although in Tristan's case he didn't have a lot of offers other than East Carolina right right that's true UTEP so didn't I even offer him and I'm, I'm thinking a lot of people didn't know that that Jada um, had um, Jaden had left to Monterey I didn't find right. out this until a couple of weeks uh, like a week or so ago when I was watching Duncanville play uh, Lubbock Monterey and I saw her on the court I was like wait a minute so I looked on the roster for Max Prep, and she's not on the roster for Eastwood anymore. Interesting. So she's definitely so she moved from El Paso up to Lubbock, I guess, for her senior year to go ahead and get prospects. But that team has about eight D one prospects on that on wow. that Lubbock minor right team. That's that's so, that's that's incredible. That's about as loaded as it gets. So I hear you on that one. How long have you been refereeing women's basketball or girls basketball in El Paso, Craig? 
Uh, I've been refereeing for 18 years now. I've been doing this for a while. Good for you. Um, I love it. That's uh, And do you do boys, too, or just girls? Yeah, no, I do boys and girls. Yes, I'm official for the UIL here in um, Texas. So, yeah, I do both. I do both. Tech, uh, girls and boys. Have you done? Uh, you've um, so you've obviously done state tournaments. You've probably been in the final four and all that stuff. Yeah, I've done the state tournaments. I've done all that. I do the AAU uh, stuff in the summer and go to Vegas. Nice. Uh, referee in Dallas, Phoenix, California. Any uh, interest? Philadelphia. Any interest in ever uh, doing college ball? Uh, yeah, the, the only problem is is our location. Like for example, like you know, I was born in Philadelphia, lived raised in Los Angeles. Los Angeles has a junior college on every corner, just like a liquor store. Yep. But here, the problem is we're too far away from anything junior colleges or anything. The nearest junior college is in, in um, Hobbs, and then after that, you got Midland and whatever. So basically, my demographics is the reason why I haven't gone to uh, college uh, ball. Because if I do do JUCO or anything here, I'm going to have to drive, you know, Midland, Hobbs, or, anything, or you know, those type of places. Yep, good point, good point. I hear you on that one. Hey, listen, thanks for calling in, Craig. Appreciate it, and uh, have a good game tonight. I hope uh, no parents will yell at you. Oh, no, they're going to do that. I'm always 50% right, so they're gonna, somebody's going to yell at me, that's for sure. I love it. Craig, take care. Thanks again. All right, have a good day. You too. Bottom of the hour, Sports Talk continues. Uh, Adrian standing by, and he's got another Sports Center update here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Adrian, thank you very much as we continue here on Sports Talk 32. Now past the hour, 505-6009 gets you right on in and through to the program. That's 505-6009. You can also tweet the show, 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. By the way, love the story you wrote today about Calais Griffin and Shredskins. We had him on the air. By the way, just so people understand this, this product was never, never intended for COVID purposes. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. This is all about workouts, shedding pounds, and how people have been doing this for years. They just never had a product for doing this. A lot of them would just take garbage bags and do this. And what Kalei did was... He created something that could be customizable for different colors, for different designs. And when we interviewed him, when he first came out with this product, we were like, wow, you see the kind of workouts you get when you go ahead and you push yourself wearing the shred skins. And the fact that he partnered with UTEP, it's a terrific idea. And I love the fact that he's going to be with Shark Tank later this week to, uh, to pitch those guys and, and uh, hopefully see his product continue to grow. This is what it's all about. I mean, how cool is this, right? A former UTEP linebacker, somebody who played here just not too long ago. I mean, his final his senior season was three years ago in 2019. So you figure, all right, the pandemic year, he didn't use any excuses. He developed the sauna suit during that year. And then it really went viral in 2021, with you know, last year. Yep. And so this year, continuing to develop the brand, uh, de- developing a lot of apparel and stuff like that, you know, like uh, hoodies, T-shirts and stuff, which has really caught on. And now he's 
pitching it in front of the Sharks on Ooh. Shark Tank. So it's uh, it's premiering 6 o'clock local time on ABC Friday, and uh, people can watch this one. Clay Griffin, former minor, uh, pitching his business, Shredskins to the Sharks. Oh, that's awesome. We get to see it while we're on the air. Yes. We're on yes. the air until 7 on Friday night, correct? That's right. And so, uh, or are, we'll, we doing, uh, are we doing college football championship game on Friday? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure if we are, but I do know that there is a USC game that night. So uh, I'm we hoping might we're have, doing it. Yeah, we might have a chance to do something like that. Oh, man. Love that. Love that. Um, but real quick yes. on on Calais, Steve, it's just really awesome that uh, that he's doing this right now. He was such a great guy to us, and uh, you, we just know how much passion he has behind this. He got a lot of the miners on board on this as well. So like guys like current players like Praise and Mayhule, he has uh, he's like endorsing Shredskins on his social media account, and then former miners like uh, AJ Hotchkins, who we interview a lot on this show for his MMA fighting. Um, we've seen that Shredskins is especially popular among people who who fight in mixed martial arts so uh again just my, you know my hats off to him and and what he's been able to do with this brand absolutely absolutely anyway um let me say this you know i think that uh, he's got a shot to i want if you think about it, you get one of these guys to back you it could totally launch him into the stratosphere with this. Like it's it's like it's, it's like your ultimate dream. Yeah, right. You're exactly right because you're you have the opportunity uh, going out there to pitch to those sharks to ask for a certain dollar amount and for whatever he he needs. If it's more marketing, if it's more you know infrastructure, what, whatever it is, more inventory that he needs to house and, and just uh, things like that. Uh, this is an opportunity of a, of a lifetime, which I wrote about as well. It, it's it's really true. And Calais is going to join us here on the show, whether it's in person via. Zoom or over the phones, he's he's excited about doing it. Just has to clear it up with the sharks and make sure that uh, he's not. Uh, I guess uh, you know. Uh, I guess revealing too much here on the show if he joins us before, but maybe we get him after the fact. So I like we'll the see. fact we can get him after, especially if he comes into town. That would be really cool just to talk about what the whole experience was like for him. Because remember, they take him. Some of these guys are with the sharks for hours and hours, and then they edit it down to like a ten minute segment. Right, and and he was even explaining things to me like he had to sign NDAs. You know, he had to sign all these things saying he can like yep. to, for me to even launch this article he had to get things approved and stuff like that which just shows you how much they, they're they really looking forward to Friday's show uh, he was telling me that last week's show did not air for Shark Tank because of the holidays so this one is highly anticipated this is season 14 this is episode 8 of this series so yeah it should be, uh, should be a lot of fun to watch him Friday night do we know yet which sharks he will go in front of or we don't know that yet no we don't know that yet so i guess that's one of the things that he has to uh keep quiet well all i know is um after he finished his career and launched uh, shredskins he started partnering with utep i thought that was really cool too yeah, I do as well. Uh, for somebody who was so new to business but yet wanted to give back right away to the university that he played at, I think that says a lot about who he is as a person. Uh, didn't you know when he signed that deal with UTEP? He he really wanted to associate himself with the team, with the athletes, and that's exactly what he did right there. Ah, that's good for him. I'm so happy. That's great. Can't wait to see how that story goes. That's uh, also up at 600 ESPN El Paso dot com. While you're there, you can read a story about how I just still can't get over the fact that Gavin Beckley was left off the Lou Groza Award finalists for the final three. Just doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Guy makes 22 in a row. Leads the nation. And I started looking at these three finalists. The kicker from NC State absolutely deserves it. His numbers are right there with Beckley. But 
The Michigan kid misses six field goals during the season. Can't wait for Lane Frank to explain that one with us tomorrow when he joins us for his weekly chat, even though he's going to be on cloud nine since Michigan just upset Ohio State and pounded them. And then the other one, uh, which is the kicker from Stanford, he only attempted 18 field goals. That's short of the 24 or 26 that everybody else had. So I have a hard time with that one too. No, I feel bad because uh, these awards have so you know they actually translate to things like NFL draft stock, mm-hmm. things like that. And like, how can Gavin Beckley be left off those lists when he's still somebody who wants to play professionally and has the numbers to back it up? Unfortunately, that's just uh, uh, like I look at the the guys who were selected, Steve. It's uh, it's all you know, Power Five guys, and maybe it's a little Group of Five bias right there going against uh, Gavin Beckley. I did talk to somebody who had a chance to vote. Uh, he did vote for Gavin Beckley. He told me that, but he told me that uh, it was a very, very close battle, and Beckley lost uh, by you know by a number of votes, just very few amount it's, of votes. It's a shame because they're all Power Five kids that are as finalists: Michigan, North Carolina State, and Stanford. So that's Pac-12, uh, Big Ten, and ACC. And there's no reason, none, why Beckley, who was perfect for all of his extra points this year. And only missed a second field goal on Saturday against UTSA, where the votes were already in by, by the way. The votes were not exactly, they weren't cast on Monday. These were done when he still had the uh, high mark for the NCAA. And when Graham Gano, the Giants field goal kicker, who's been around a long time, sends out a tweet and, and just really reps Beckley, hey, that's pretty impressive right there. Yeah, it says that Gavin Beckley, what he's doing here locally, is actually making national waves, which is great. And uh, for him, who want, he, he joined us in our studios. He told us how he has pro football aspirations. For somebody who has those kind of aspirations right there, that's what you want to know, is that he's, he's well-connected, that he has people on his side who are currently doing this on Sundays. And as we know in the NFL, uh, there is, there are definitely, uh, an, there's definitely a need for field goal kickers yep. because uh, there, there's definitely a lot of mediocre ones out there. Johnny Utep tried to explain it by saying, Gavin was three for seven from field goals of 50 plus yards. Maybe that was a oh, factor. Not this year, Johnny, because he was two of three. This is a not a career award. This is a season award. He was two of three for 50 plus. And actually, when the voting went for the final three, he was two of two. He only missed from 52 on Saturday against UTSA, and the the voting had already been submitted by then. He was actually two of two at the time. This is not a career award. This is a season-by-season season award. And this year, you look at Gavin Beckley's body of work, absolutely belongs in the top three. I really just think it's Power 5 bias. That, that's really it, because yep. there's nothing you could tell me where uh, Beckley, numbers-wise, shouldn't be on this list. So if you want to tell me 50 yards, please, come on, get out of here. UTEP has, hadn't really had those opportunities to kick those 50-yard field goals. Maybe there was one or two out there where Dana Dimmel instead uh, elected to punt, but I don't remember very many opportunities where Gavin Beckley could have kicked a 50-yard field no. goal right there. That's, that's ridiculous. When did Johnny Utep become such a hater and troll? When did that start? Has uh, that been, has been, that been going thing. on for a while? Yeah, it's been a thing. We, we know. know this, yeah. Well, I'm just kind of wondering. Yeah. It's, uh, it's too bad. Well, too bad for him. Hey, I, I uh, met Johnny Utep in person. Great guy, great dad. I love the family. Oh, I know uh, the, the dad. I know hater. the dad since I know the dad since his Chihuahua's days. I mean, we go back a long ways. So 
just don't understand why they hate. Me, me neither, man. Why? Me neither. What's the point? And if you don't like them, go work for another team instead of hating them on that. It's unbelievable. All he does is take shots. Don't worry about it, Johnny. There's He's got to be take perfect, shots. right? Gavin Beckley's got to be perfect in Johnny's eyes. Maybe so. Maybe so. All right. Anyway, 42 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. We'll come back. We'll wrap up hour number two in a moment. In fact, when we return, Adrian will have another physical athletics fitness tip for us. But first, it's ABC7 next. Ten in front of six. John Teicher, Steve Yellen will join us in about 30 minutes before we get ready for countdown to tip off. I do love Octopus's Garden. Had to listen to a little bit of that. That's terrific. Especially when you get Ringo singing. It's a jam. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. Love it. Love the chorus. Fantastic. Need more Beatles on this show. Um, We've got a physical athletics fitness tip uh, right now for you. Adrian is on his fitness journey. He's a month away from the big one. A month away from um, vows that last forever. You know, that's just what it counts. That's um, that's part of the fun. That That is part of the fun. Uh, I'm excited about the day. I'm, I'm a little nervous about how quickly it's coming, Steve. So that that's one of the things I'm, I keep telling physical athletics. Hey, I've only got four weeks left. Let's get this going. But uh, physical athletics reminds everybody out there, don't forget to never skip your warm-up. Warm when you warm up properly, you prepare your body for your workout, and you also help prevent injuries. I'll just uh, give a little example. The other day I was a little late uh, to my 5 a.m. workout. I was a little, uh, you know, I was ready to jump into the the circuit and they said yeah. no 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 you gotta get you gotta warm up you got you can't start the circuit you can't skip the steps uh physical athletics reminds you that you can get access to a trainer and analytics to help you progress and manage through a workout they also give you a recovery program to help you get right before a big game or just feeling great after a hard workout and also physical athletics reminds you that they could give you a, a free screening from a physical therapist to see if you have any pains or issues that you've been experiencing and get you back on the right track it's never too late to start your fitness journey forget a new year's resolution start it with physical athletics they've got two locations out of joe battle and east lake you can get a free one week trial to see why we talk about them all the time you just call or text them 915-996-4476 to get started with physical athletics ah good stuff good good stuff as we continue here on sports talk um all right a lot more to talk about here on the program as we continue including tonight big battle of i-10 um, I believe as it stands right now, the Aggies are two and two, the Miners are five and one, and yet New Mexico State three and a half point favorites going into this one tonight, Adrian. Yeah, I was actually so doing a little Ken Palm research. Everybody ranks uh, teams there on Ken Palm. New Mexico State is significantly ranked higher than UTEP right now, even though they're two and two. They are ranked one forty five. UTEP is ranked one hundred eighty. I was surprised by that, knowing that UTEP knocked off some uh, really talented teams last week in the Jim Forbes Classic, albeit uh, some of them being in overtime games. But uh, nonetheless, UTEP playing some uh, some quality opponents. Texas went to the NCAA tournament last year. New Mexico State, same thing. Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, they made an appearance last year as well. And UTEP fared well against all those three. So uh, this is the big one for me, at least, looking at UTEP. They, they, can, they need to play with a chip on their shoulder, and they need to try to come out of this one to continue to show people what, what this team is made of. That's true. Uh, that is definitely true. I agree with you there. And uh, I'm interested to see 
you know, how the miners uh, fare uh, when it's uh, all said and done tonight. Uh, can they win and, and, and make it two in a row? That would be a pretty big uh, pretty big accomplishment, wouldn't it, when it's all said and done against the Aggies? Yeah, sweeping the series. I mean, I, I said earlier, and I definitely misspoke when I said this, but I said uh, New Mexico State has dominated the series historically. Well, that that's not the case. Just recent, recent history, the Aggies have been so dominant. And just to know and just to put it into perspective, the Aggies haven't lost in this rivalry series at home since 2010. I mean, that just shows you right there. Joe Golding's trying to do something that hasn't uh, been uh, done by a UTEP program in 12 years. I'll tell you something else. I'm looking at the net rankings right now. UTEP is 161 in the net rankings, and uh, New Mexico State finds themselves 78. I don't get it. I don't either. But you want to know something? If UTEP, I think if UTEP goes in and beats the Aggies tonight in Las Cruces, that would make a statement, and I think they would keep rising. Maybe after last week's tournament, people don't look at those three teams the way we saw when they were ranked three and thirty-seven in the CBSSports.com RPI. Yeah, and also there's maybe some stats that are skewing some ways that are yep. making the net go go that way. And same with Ken Palm. I agree with you. Cowboys update next. Final thirty as we take you up till six thirty. And John and Steve right here, six hundred ESPN El Paso. I said, Diego's, eh. I'm like, wow. <laughs> he used to jump at the opportunity to hop on Sports Talk. And, uh, you know, he's doing his math homework right now. All good, all good. And I was just going to have him talk about what San Antonio was like for him. I would love to have heard his account of oh. going to watch that minor game and, and being a part of that road trip. But he's uh, preoccupied. He's got uh, he's got homework right now. And uh, that sounds a good. Uh, listen, as far as I'm concerned, do your math homework and let me not be a distraction from getting that done. You know what? He's a uh, he's a smart kid. Uh, I'm curious to see how he he liked being on the field. Me too. Uh, being uh, being field level and stuff like that. But wait wait for that off the air or another day. There no you worries. go. I mean, this is probably the first time ever that he's been in the studio and not jumping at the opportunity to get on the microphone. What? Oh, uh, you want to, you want to do the homework instead? All right, good. Do your homework. That's good. Appreciate that. He's got a Coronado baseball cap on, too. It looks good. It does. I, I, yeah, I love that color. That's where, I want, um, you know, that's where I want to see him go. He wants to go to Franklin. I want him to go to Coronado. So Yeah, they're both, both great schools. I uh, love, you know what, I, I love the Franklin colors, but those uh, it's hard to beat the gold and navy blue. I, is, I'll just be honest. It is. But, uh, man, all I know is, you know, listen, hey, get your homework done. Do what you got to do. And please mute that phone so that when it rings, it doesn't get on air. We don't have to hear that. I appreciate that. And you're, you're all set and, uh, and, and good to go. All right. As we continue here on Sports Talk, along with Adrian Broadus, Sal Montes, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Don't forget, Minor Talk tonight coming up after the Battle of I-10. That's going to be a lot of fun when Adrian and Sal break it down with you and take your phone calls and tweets and get to all that. Um, again, you know, this basketball team minus three players – Sibley, Onyema, Kalu. They don't know what the Battle of I-10 is like. And they don't know. From what I heard, I spoke to Mario Mocha earlier today. The lower bowl will be full by the time this game tips off uh, in an hour. And they might even be starting to sell upper bowl tickets after they fill up the lower bowl. So that means it's going to be loud. It's going to be exciting. And 
And aren't you also interested to hear how the fans react to New Mexico State for the first time since that incident out in Albuquerque? Right. This is their first home game that we're going to see right now between yep. the Aggies. And uh, they were at home for the New Mexico Highlands game, but that didn't count. That was the first game of the season. That was a, a game against an inferior opponent right there. But I, I look at this one right there as the first true home game for the Aggies right here. It should be a great game. I Last game, I thought that the score uh, reflected a much uh, – yeah, it wasn't as close as the score reflected last time around. It was a three-point finish last time, uh, 67-64. NMSU hit some late buckets in this game. If UTEP has a lead, I don't expect this one to, to be a blowout. If if NMSU has a lead, I don't expect the Miners to bow down. I, I just feel like this is going to be a dogfight all the way to the end. Aren't you also wondering if and when uh, they will lose a game because of feel, uh, free throws? Don't you yeah. feel, I mean, they were so lucky, so lucky last week to miss the uh, free throws they did, but still pull out those first two games in overtime and double overtime. And then Friday's game, where a 20-point lead evaporated and turned into a two-point game late. Yeah, it's a weird stat when you look at it, Steve. They're actually a top-10 team in the country of getting to the free-throw line, but they are a bottom-10 team in free-throw percentage at, at almost uh, 55% from the line. And uh, for the Miners, that's got to improve. That has to improve right there because whether it's Calvin Solomon getting to the free-throw line and trying to improve his free uh, free throw percentage, or whoever it is. They've got to be better at the free throw line, especially tonight. Totally agree with you. Totally agree. So we'll see if it ends up happening. And if, in fact, um, you know, UTEP can make their free throws and uh, and find a way to win this game. I think that's the one that all of us will be very, um, you know, keep a very close eye on uh, when it's all said and done. Um, meanwhile, how interesting was it when you watched um, – you know, the, the situation um, with New Mexico State and Valpo, a game that really means nothing uh, football-wise to their uh, bowl waiver status with the NCAA. And Brett McMurphy just wrote about Selection Sunday, and it is kind of interesting when he talked about the waiver for New Mexico State. He thinks that NMSU gets approved, and... Then, um, you know, he talked about how it's going to work and, you know, where the, um, you know, where the Aggies could go. Possibly Rice, New Mexico State, and Buffalo. If there was ever a program that would be 5-7 and seven and get a waiver because of their APR score, it's Rice, right? Yeah, the, the smart kids out there who yes. have to get uh, their grades up for a certain reason. Uh, you know, we've seen um, different APR postings, the minors being so, among some of the worst in the country right now. So uh, the thought of UTEP at 5-7 and seven applying and getting there is, is not, a, you know, not going to happen whatsoever. But I will say this, uh, McMurphy mentioned them in the, I think it's the lending Tree Bowl out in Mobile, 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 Alabama. Alabama yeah, right. to take on uh, Southern Miss. Yeah, that that's a, that would be a tough game for Jerry Kill, but also a be. great accomplishment to finish out the year if they get chosen uh, to be a, a part of any bowl. Aren't you also interested to see if they go back to Tucson just because of the appearance they made, the win they got, and just what that was like for them? Or um, is that game now officially canceled and they don't play that anymore? Because I'm looking at all the bowls that right That might be now. the Barstool one, right? That's the, uh, that is the Barstool. That's the Arizona Bowl. Yeah. I don't know. Is that, um, 
Is there is it not possible they could play in the Arizona in the uh, Barstool Arizona Bowl? Sure, why why not? I mean, I feel like for a lot of these bowls, they're going to have to get an at large bid anyways, yeah. uh, knowing that there are, um, there are not teams who can qualify for a bowl game. And then at the same point, I'm curious if in their own backyard, New Mexico Bowl, like could they get mm. an invite up there? But right now, they got BYU, San Jose State. Okay, so okay, that's an interesting one. Uh, as far as the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, the way they uh, the way they see it right now, Duke and UCLA. By the mm. way. I would love UCLA to come here. I think that would be absolutely phenomenal. And Duke is a lot of fun. I think Duke UCLA would have a, would add a lot of intrigue to this game. Man, that would be. I mean, to see Dorian Thompson Robinson, to see Chip Kelly out here in El Paso, uh, that's a, that's kind of like a dream, right? There. I feel like you can't go wrong on both conferences. Like the ACC has such great teams, top to bottom. Same with the Pac-12. There are so many teams. It seems like who have nine wins in the Pac-12 right now or more. Uh, I, I just feel like you can't go wrong with uh, a lot of these opponents that we're seeing. No, I'm with you on that one, and. Um... You know, again, um, you know, according to McMurphy, he's got Oregon State going to the Vegas Bowl, which, oh, by wow. the way, picks over the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. So that makes sense. Oregon State beats Oregon. I don't think they come here anymore. I think we do get UCLA. Yeah, I heard. I saw some people saying, oh, and now it's a lock. You know, Oregon State's a Sun Bowl. I was like, wait, why, why, why is this a lock right no, now? I, I, don't I don't think so. I don't see it that way whatsoever. No. I see this a lot closer uh, as far as maybe being, uh, you know, UCLA. Even Washington. Why would you rule out Washington up at, the, at, uh, at this point right now? That's true. That is very, very true. So anyway, those are good matchups. Um. Back to the game tonight. So we kind of flip-flop back between New Mexico State football and New Mexico State basketball with their situation. Um, How will UTEP be able to try and contain Xavier Pinson, who absolutely lit them up in that first big matchup uh, here in El Paso. I feel like the strong point of UTEP is definitely their defense. So if I'm having to bet on UTEP's defense, I like that bet right there. They force 15 and a half turnovers per game. They are exceptionally good when it comes to defending the three-point line. So as long as they keep those things consistent in this game and try to limit the offensive rebounds that New Mexico State tries to get in this game, I think UTEP will be in good shape. But uh, Pinson and uh, even Washington Washington. Yeah, Those Washington. are guys are, are th- that are going to be really hard to stop when it's all said and done. I love Deshaun Drake Washington because he does everything. He does it all. He can score 15, grab 8, 10 boards, and also dish out 6 or 7 assists in one game. That's pretty good for a 6-7 guard. Yeah, and I'll say this. I mean, uh, Deshondre Washington, somebody UTEP tried to recruit out of Arizona State when he was in the transfer portal. Uh, they're going. The, you know, the Aggies are going to really rely on their guard play. UTEP might have the advantage when it comes to the front court. Maybe that's where this game is decided. I felt like Mike Peak was a great opposition to Calvin Solomon in yep. the first time around, and no Mike Peak in this game, obviously. So uh, you, UTEP might have the advantage when it comes to the front court as and well. Keep an eye on Dewan Gordon. He struggled shooting the basketball against UTEP. But that's a guy that scores 10 points and grabs seven boards a game. Yeah, he's really come into his own uh, over the past couple weeks. Muhammad as well, uh, the 6'9 junior. Uh, those are guys to really look out for this one. Uh, I- I'm not counting the Aggies out what- whatsoever in this game. I know that they've been through a lot off the court. They're still a really strong team, and they want to get their season ri- uh, back on the right track. And with uh, Peak out tonight... Chichi Avery is going to have to step up, probably go into that starting lineup and have a big game. Yeah, and they're going to have to also avenge that loss that they had to UC Irvine. That didn't look good at all for them. 85-68 was the final score. I know they beat a, a talented San Diego squad out in Vegas this past weekend. I know they, they dealt with a lot, but at the same point, uh, it was Gordon, it was Pinson, it was Washington who led them, and, and beyond that, they didn't get a lot of production from their guys. Well, how about this? Mohammed and Avery both came off the bench in that game against Irvine. They didn't start. They went with Dr. Bradley. 
in that or uh, in that one. So he got the start instead, and that's also interesting. The six eight sophomore from LA into the starting lineup. I wonder if we're going to see that. And uh, Anthony Roy played thirty minutes coming off the bench. He's been a really nice, valuable addition to this team. Yeah, scored twenty points in that loss to UC Irvine off the bench. Uh, you mentioned he's kind of like an in between guard, like a, kind of a six five shooting guard. Uh, I would expect somebody like Tay Hardy to guard him in this game if he comes off the bench and plays the minors. Uh, somebody can, who can really provide them a spark. So uh, be on the lookout for number zero, Anthony Roy. Before we get to Charlie One and get to John Teicher and Steve Yellen for our ball game tonight.